Well, good morning to everyone today. Uh, it is certainly a joyful morning within the walls of our sanctuary. It might not be joyful out there in the rain, but wow, what a joyful service we have had, right? That wonderful, uh, uplifting piece of music and, and beautiful Robert here receiving his baptism and all of the children uh, gathered around. It fills my heart with joy. And so appropriately, we have some, some joyful, some uplifting scripture passages to share with you this morning as well. Uh, but before I get into those passages, I have two passages of Luke, uh, from Luke today, but before I get into them, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Uh, gracious God, we come to you with joy in our hearts this morning, uh, with joy for everything that we've just experienced in our worship service here today and with joy to open our hearts and hear your word. So please grant us the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to allow us to do just that. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I have chosen uh, two passages from Luke today. Uh, usually I do an Old Testament and a New Testament, but these passages just really fit together well, and so I wanted to make sure that we heard them both today. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 4. This is the beginning of Luke's gospel, right? This is after uh, Luke tells his wonderful Christmas story, and then, and then Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. And then as Jesus begins his ministry, he sets forth what I like to call his mission statement, okay? It's his mission statement. And I'm going to read that to us now from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. So let's listen now for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the, of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, quote, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, end quote. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him. And then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Secondly, uh, I'm going to turn towards our lectionary passage today, which, as you all know, is also from the Gospel of Luke. That's the gospel given to us this whole lectionary year. And today we're, we're moving through Luke. So today we find ourselves in chapter 13. And so I'm going to read for us verses 10 through 17. This is the famous healing story of Jesus healing the woman who was crippled over, bent over with an ailment. Verse 10. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just there appeared a woman 
with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said, woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands upon her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from her bondage on the Sabbath day? When Jesus said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at the things Jesus was doing. It's the word of the Lord. Why don't you bow your heads just one more time with me, please. Gracious God, we, we just love the gospel of Luke. We just love these stories that, that show us who Jesus is. So Lord, we pray now that you would grant us your Holy Spirit just to focus our minds that are just so filled with everything else going on in our lives. Just help us to focus in on you and what you are saying to us through these ancient stories today. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, these stories that I've read for you are all about transformation. And so I have a little story from the present day about transformation for you as well. And I have asked Stephanie to help me with a few slides because, I mean, come on, you can't, you can't tell about transformation without showing you it too as well, right? So this, this story of transformation began when a group of folks called the Trio Animal Foundation, who exist in Chicago to help wayward animals, when they heard about a mistreated and abandoned animal that had been brought into a local shelter up there in the Chicago area. So when the folks from Trio arrived at the shelter, they were escorted to a back room, and this is what they saw. Stephanie, would you show us, please? They saw this, okay? And obviously this is three pictures, right? This is three pictures, but this is what they saw, right? I mean, what, what, what is it? right? They wondered, what in the world is this? They thought, is this like a, you know, a ball of yarn that somebody had dropped on the floor and kind of came all unwound and was just a big mess? Or, well, you know, maybe this was like all of the hair, the pet hair that was left on the floor of the shelter at the end of the day, and somebody had sweeped it up in a little, you know, dustpan and dumped it there. You know what? They didn't know what this was, but they knew they had come to the shelter to get a dog, and this just wasn't it, right? So as they're talking to one another and thinking, what, what is going on here? This isn't what we came for. All of a sudden, this began to move, 
Okay. And so they looked at it strangely and they thought, well, well, let me try something. So one of the men reached into his pocket and pulled out a few dog treats and kind of held them out a little bit. And lo and behold, this moved again. <laughs> but they still couldn't quite figure out what it was or, or if it wanted the treat, even, you know, where, where do you offer the treat to, right? Which end? And so they decided to call in a professional dog groomer. And slowly but surely, a transformation began. Slowly but surely, as, the, as he shaved with his razor and the fur fell to the ground, a tiny little face emerged. Stephanie, would you show them the second slide, please? There's the face. You can see the face, right? As all of the hair is shaved away, it's all still around him on that table, a little tiny face emerged. Now, I'm going to tell you that what the trio volunteers said, because their words are much better than mine. They said, even though we had to pull out fur that had grown two inches down the dog's ear canal and shaved matted hair away from her irritated paper-thin skin, never once did she show her teeth or growl. When it came time to shave the matted fur that had tightly wrapped itself around her little tiny legs like a snug boot, well, then the dog actually looked up at them and started giving them kisses. <laughs> they said, oh my goodness, we just, we just wanted to die right then and there. After all the grooming was done, <laughs> they, they uncovered the adorable tiny little lap dog that was in the middle of all that hair. Stephanie, you want to show them the final slide? There she is. <laughs> there she is next to the pile that they said weighs three pounds. Three pounds of fur was removed from her. She's got the purple little, little scarf, and I love the little snaggle tooth that's there, right? The one little snaggle tooth that's sticking out, right? The folks at Trio who witnessed this called it a miracle, okay? They called it a miracle. And there was rejoicing all over the, the Facebook page that they put her story on. And there was rejoicing and there was offers of adoption all the way from Australia, all the way to Greece. And to reflect this transformation from that pile of hair to this adorable little dog, they gave her a new name, okay? They gave her the name Ellen, I don't know if somebody's here named Ellen, but uh, they gave her the name Ellen, which to the volunteers uh, represented happiness and smiling, because that's what this whole experience of transformation brought to everybody involved. So they started with this blob of unrecognizable hair, and they transformed it into this adorable little lap dog named Ellen. Right? Praise be to God. What, what an amazing story of transformation. Now, stories of transformation abound in our scriptures. I like to say that we worship a God of transformation, a God who can, who can transform a little uh, ragtag bunch of slaves in Egypt into his, his holy people in the promised land. A God who can transform uh, uh, just some simple little water that we drink every day into some incredibly delicious wine. A God who can transform a dead body into a risen Savior. 
And a God who can transform a woman who is on the edges of society, on the edges of community, can transform her from being a bent-over bent person who looks at the floor all day to, to a, a straight-up and erect and happy and alive member of the community, right? This is the God whom we worship. In our story for today, we see Jesus teaching in the synagogue, as he so often does. And it's on the Sabbath, and he's got a crowd gathered around him. Luke tells us in that passage that it's a crowd. And Jesus is in the middle, and, and he's teaching like he so often does. But over off to the side of the crowd is a woman who has some kind of ailment that has caused her, you know, like this, to be bent over her, you know, most of her adult life, 18 years, it tells us. Now, mind you, mind you, this woman is not drawing attention to herself, okay? She's not calling out to Jesus, as some folks do in our scriptures, right? She's not calling out to Jesus. And unlike the man who Mike preached about last week, she doesn't have a group of friends, who are coming over and putting her on a mat, right, and bringing her over in front of Jesus. She doesn't have any of that. She's just over by herself, all bent over. But Jesus notices her anyway, right? He notices her anyway. And he calls her over from, from the margins of the room, calls her over into the circle, and he lays hands upon her, and he says this. He says, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And, and Luke tells us she rejoices, right? I bet she threw her hands up in the air. She rejoices and she praises God for this amazing transformation that she just went through. Now, that's, that's the joyful part of the passage, right? But in the middle of the passage, we have what I like to call a distraction, right? It's a distraction. And I'm talking about the part of the passage where the synagogue leaders are kind of chirping at Jesus, you know, telling him he shouldn't have done this because it's the Sabbath. This is the, the you can't do this because we have rules point of view, right? You can't do this. We got rules around here, right? Now, I, I know I'm going to step on some toes by saying this, okay, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is like this is like when you're meeting with your committee or your task force, and you have this amazing idea, and you're like, you know what, we're just going to open up all the doors of the church, we're going to invite everybody in, we're going to let people sleep in the, the sanctuary, we're going to do all this great stuff, right? And you hear comments like, oh, our insurance carrier would never permit that, right? Not in a million years. Or you hear things like, oh, our lawyers will go berserk over that, right? Sorry, Ed. <laughs> they'll go berserk, right? They'll never, they'll never permit it, right? This is the point of view. You can't do this because we have rules. And in this passage, it's a distraction. It takes our mind and our thinking away from the inbreaking of God's kingdom that is happening right there in front of them. Right? It takes our, our mind away from what we're supposed to be focused on. Because at its core, this story is not about rules. Right? It's not about rules. It's about the transformation of this woman. It's about Jesus' power 
to transform folks and to bring them from the outer edges of society into community and allow them to blossom and grow as God intended them to do, right? Jesus is saying this person is precious, this person is deserving, this person is one of us. And to really hammer that point home, Jesus gave her a new name. I I hope you caught that. He renamed her. He gave her the name Daughter of Abraham, right? After she was brought in, he called her Daughter of Abraham. So people would make no mistake, right? No mistake about it, that she was one of them. She was one of God's people. She was an heir to God's promises, right? She is a blessed daughter of Abraham. He, he renames her right there in the middle of the room. Now, of course, this, this story and, and Jesus' actions here towards this woman should be no surprise, certainly no surprise to us, right? But not even, even no surprise to some of the people who have been following him from town to town. It's who Jesus is. It's what he does, right? He's in the business of transformation. And we see that very early in Luke's gospel when Jesus set forth his mission statement. I like to call it his mission statement in Luke Chapter 4, the first passage that I read for today, right? I mean, all organizations have a mission statement. We have a lovely mission statement as a church. You can go on the website and see it. It tells people who we are, right? What we want to do, right? What our goals are. It's our mission statement. And Jesus has one too. And so in that that other day in the synagogue that Luke recounts for us in chapter 4, Jesus opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, he applies those words to himself, right? He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus saying this, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives in recovery of sight to the blind, He has sent me to let the oppressed go free. He has sent me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's who he is. That's what he's there to do. And so in Luke's gospel, certainly anything that happens from that point on, chapter 4 on, needs to be seen through that lens. Right? This is who Jesus is. And this story of the bent over woman fits perfectly within his mission statement. She could be one of those captives that he is releasing. She could be an oppressed person, oppressed by her, by her situation that Jesus is now freeing. However you want to see her, Jesus has transformed her from a place of limitation and a place of isolation to a person who is now a full participant in the community, right? It's amazing. And he renames her as such. He calls her daughter of Abraham. Clearly, Jesus is in the business of transformation. But, you know, the really, really cool thing about this scene in particular, this healing story in particular, is that the transformation is not limited to her alone, right? The transformation bleeds out 
into the rest of the community that is gathered there that day. Remember, church isn't empty that day. Luke calls it a crowd. There's a whole crowd of community there that day. The community's perspective of her, well, you know, I bet some of them didn't even know she existed. Or some of them just saw her as this hunched over woman, maybe just knew her by by the top of her head. But when Jesus straightens her up and brings her into the circle, he allows her to be fully seen and fully known by the community. And this brought joy to everyone. Joy, not just to her, but to everyone. The transformation of one becomes the transformation of all, and all, all were joyful and uplifted that day. Friends, Jesus is in the business of transformation. God is in the business of transformation. The Holy Spirit is in the business of transformation. And no other religion in the world can make this claim. Our scriptures are a witness to this, and our lives as followers of Christ should be a witness to this as well. And so as we think about our faithful response to this story of transformation and the many others that are in scriptures as well, our faithful response should be to ask God where, where we can join in with Christ in transforming the lives of others and bringing them into the circle so that they can fully participate and be the people God created them to be. Well, if you're wondering what I'm talking about or where some of those opportunities might lie here in our community, well, you know, I found out this interesting uh, statistic the other day from a member of our church. I learned that in the Quaker Valley School District, our school district, right, there are more than 400 children who are on free or reduced price lunch. More than 400. That's a huge number. So our faithful response there could be to say, how can we bring those kids who are out there on the margins who are wondering how they're going to fill their bellies at lunchtime or probably even dinner and breakfast as well, How can we bring them into the circle to join with our kids, with our kids who who have full bellies, who can focus on, on reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, like you're supposed to do when you're a kid? Another thing I learned recently is that the, I don't have an exact number, but there's quite a number of teens, teens in our school district who are considered homeless. That means that they don't have a permanent address to give to the school district. And so our faithful response to them might be, to, you know, how can we help these teens who are out there wondering where they're going to sleep that night, not just wondering how they're going to do their homework, but wondering where they're going to sleep. How do we bring them into the circle to join our kids, right? Our kids who who have a, a lovely pillow and a bed and who are focused on their studies and focused on their college prep, right? How do we bring them in? And finally, it could be a faithful response, could be something like helping our folks at the community center, just down and, you know, a little bit behind us and under that underpass, 
The community center who serves, which serves a great portion of our community with wonderful activities. I hear that they're looking to buy a little, little extra piece of property down there to expand some of their outdoor activities. So our faithful response could be, you know what? How do we help them do that? I mean, it might not even be a money issue. It might be a sort of a who you know issue. You know, it's often that, right? Who you know. To help them to, to buy that property and to increase their ministry in our town, right? Friends, these people are out there all over the place. Even when we don't realize it, they're out there on the margins. And our question is, is how can we help them, right? Because so much of the time we overlook those folks. We're right here in our circle, right, in our, in our Sewickley Church circle, and we overlook those who are out on the margins. Sometimes I think we're, we're maybe even afraid, maybe it's sort of a scarcity mentality, Maybe we're afraid that, that since we're in the circle and they're not, that if we bring them into the circle, well, you know, maybe it'd be less room for us, right? Maybe we'll be forced out if they're welcomed in. But friends, Jesus shows us that when transformation happens of one, whether it's the woman or whether it's the little dog who, who just made people all over the world rejoice, when that transformation happens, we all benefit, we all rejoice, we all testify to the inbreaking of God's kingdom in our midst. So let's go out there, let's work to find those folks who are on the margins in our community, and let's think of ways that we can join in with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, in bringing them in to the circle. Friends, we worship a God of transformation, who calls us to join him in his work. Let us do so with joy and welcoming. Praise be to God. Amen.